What you doing? Trying on glasses with Zenny's 3D Virtual Try-On. Wait, are those the actual prices? I say get all of them. Seriously, why not, right? Oh, now I want new glasses. Zenny.com. Quality prescription glasses starting at $6.95. Preach a message today called Yield. Uh, one of my favorite topics, one of the favorite studies in the Bible, preached in many different ways, but we're going to look at it from a different angle this morning. We're going to take a different approach and see what God will do through the Word. So if you, if you will, let's, let's have church together. Cut me down a little bit, Brother Roland. It could get loud in a minute. Um, but if you will, let's help each other preach this message. Don't leave me alone this morning. Let's preach and let's have a good time and let the Holy Spirit move in our life. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. But listen to this, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Number one is I must believe in him. But then it says something else that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So there's a twofold message in that one scripture. Number one is that I must believe in God. Number two is I must believe God. I must believe that he exists, but I also must believe that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. So it's not always enough when we're talking about our promises and purpose with God that we just believe in God. Believing in God gets us to an eternal destination, but believing God watches our purpose and promise come to pass in our life. So this morning, I want to break that down on multiple levels for you and help you to see that because there is a difference between believing in God and believing God. Believing in God speaks of my faith. My faith. Who is God to me? What is, what do I believe in? What do I believe? How did he exist? What did he do for me? Did he send his son? Did he not? That's my faith in God, but believing God speaks of my relationship. That I believe God for the words that he speaks to me in my prayer life, the words that he speaks to me when I'm studying his word. I believe that everything God's telling me is going to come to pass in my life. I believe in him, but I also believe him for who he is. So let's jump into it this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. If you have your note sheets, you can follow along with us. I'll try to get you all the answers this morning. If you're, if you're visiting for the first time, um, if you want a binder to collect your notes, you can walk right out in the lobby and you can grab one. Uh, they're free and they're for you to have. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and 1 that the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Point number one this morning is very simple. Leave the comfort zone. If we're going to get anywhere with God in our walk, anywhere with God in our life, we're going to have to leave the comfort zone. There's a reason why God told Abraham, he said, leave your country, leave your familiar area, leave your surroundings that you're most comfortable with, and leave your family too, because sometimes the family can hold back if they're not on the right track with God themselves. So God was showing Abraham, he said, you're going to have to get out of this comfort zone. Here's the problem. Some of us believe God or believe in God, but we struggle to believe God because we're stuck in a comfort zone of our life. And it's not that you don't want to believe God. It's the fact that your surroundings are stopping you from believing God. Because when I'm in a familiar area, when I'm in a familiar place and I have people around me that don't trust God the way I do and don't want to serve God the way I do, then I am more prone to go to those people when God is speaking to me. And when God is speaking to me and I take it to people that's not on the same path as me, they are likely to discourage me from what God is trying to show me. 
So if I don't leave my comfort zone and get out of the circle that's got me hindered in of comfort, I can't get into the places where God wants to push me forward and bring me to another level with him. So he's telling Abraham, he says, Abraham, you're going to have to get out of this country. You're going to have to go where you can see the impossible done. You're going to have to go to places where it's uncomfortable. You're going to have to respond to things that don't seem like it would be asked of you to do. Abraham was eventually going to be asked a lot of things that most people would think, man, why would God ask somebody to do that? That is just crazy. But in the comfort zone, we can't see it. But when we step out, God will begin to show us. Genesis chapter 12 through 14, this is what I want you to know. We see Abraham believes in God. You can go back and study it for yourself from chapter 12 to chapter 14. Abraham believes in God. He believes who God is. He believes that that he is the God, that he is the one to serve. But I don't know if Abraham believes God yet. Because Abraham was promised in Genesis 12 that he would have a son. But we find just a few chapters later in chapter 15 that the Bible says this, that he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. This is God talking to Abraham. He said, if indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so shall be your offspring. Abram believed the Lord and he credited him as righteousness. What am I trying to tell you in that one moment? Not only do I have to leave the comfort zone, Abraham did well. He left the comfort zone whenever God asked him to. In chapter 12, he left. He left the country. He left his family. He went and he settled in a tent. But when Abraham got to the tent, he stayed inside the tent. And he complained because the promise of chapter 12 in chapter 15 had not yet happened. It's been 25 years since God has promised Abraham that he would have a son. So Abraham was just pleased with getting out the comfort zone. But since he's out the comfort zone and he don't see God responding the way he thought God would respond, he's stuck inside the tent. So God tells him, he says, Abraham, come outside. Point number two, get out the tent. Abraham, not only do you need to leave the comfort zone, but get out of the tent. Get out of the tent and look outside and let me show you the promises I have for your life. Now, many of us don't live in a tent. We live in a house, a little bit more room to move around. (laughs) But if we were to compare what God was saying to Abraham, it would be this. Get out of your own head. Abraham, leave the comfort zone, but you also need to get out from the inside of your own head that's stopping you from seeing what I want to show you. You did well getting out of the ones who could hinder you, but you're still stuck on the inside of doubts and confusion of what I want to do in your life. And that's why he challenged Abraham on such a high level when he came outside. He said, Abraham, count the stars. (laughs) He didn't say count the trees because Abraham can count the trees. You can't believe God whenever you think that it's something that you can do yourself. He didn't say, Abraham, count the other tents. Abraham, count any of the, the donkeys or the things that are tied up. He said, Abraham, count the stars if you can. And he said, that's the blessings of your life. And the Bible says this in that very verse, the next one, it says, Abraham believed the Lord. I'm laying a foundation for you because for chapters and time in Abraham's life, he believed in God. But now he believed God. Why? Because he got out of his own mind and let the the limitations that he had on God go. He can now see that God's going to bless me. God's going to come to pass with all these promises. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. Pastor, what do you mean stuck in your head? Let me tell you, I've been there. 
that God has called you to a place in life and he is telling you that you can do something. He's calling you to serve. He's calling you to accept the calling. He's calling you to step out and do something you've never done. But on the inside of my mind, I'm saying I'm not enough. Inside my mind, I'm saying it's impossible. Inside my mind, I'm weighing my education. I'm weighing my understanding of Scripture. I'm weighing what people are going to say about me. I'm weighing what the people around me are going to think about me. I'm weighing if people are going to doubt me or if they're even going to listen to me. And God says, get out of your head and let me show you exactly what I want to do in your life. Stop talking to yourself in your head and telling you you're not enough. Here's the whole thing. That's why he tells us be, re- be renewed by the transformation in what? Our mind. We got to be right there. It's a mind place where the enemy battles us. Abraham was not that he didn't think God could do it. It was the fact that in his mind, he didn't know if it was possible because he's climbing up in age. He hadn't seen it come to pass. And now not only did he get out the comfort zone and get within his own mind and his own self, but now that he believed God, oh, just another chapter later, he takes another step. That's a warning because he believed him. But now, since it hadn't happened in just another chapter, he's going to do it on his own. That's what we do. God, I believe you. I'm going to get out my comfort zone. I'm going to get out my own head, but I still hadn't seen you move. And now that I am out the tent, I'm out my head, and I can actually see what you promised me, I'm going to go get it myself because I can see it. But let me promise you what God can show us this this morning. We don't need super things in our life. We need supernatural things in our life. Everybody thinks that super is okay. That's church without the Holy Spirit. That's what I call super church. Feels good, motion roller coaster, sounds good, tastes good, smell good, but it's not supernatural. Super church. So what Abraham was going to do is he's going to have super church with a super God. Abraham has a wife who also has a servant. And now that Abraham has not been born the child he was promised, his wife decides that we are going to have our own child. You're just going to go and have it with my servant. And Abraham thinks that sounds great, and he does it. Yes, it was super that a man of Abraham's age can have a child with a woman as young as the slave. That's a super idea. But it never became supernatural until Sarah, the old woman, and Abraham, the old man, came together and had a child at 100 years old. That's when it became supernatural. And I'm telling you that because God will never bless the things he didn't ordain. The things that we do in our own life, the things that we do under our own will, the things that we do under our own power, God will look over them and God will move on to the supernatural that he does and leave those things for us to deal with. How do you know that, Pastor? Because once he gets out of the tent, we're jumping to the message this morning in Genesis chapter 22. God begins to test Abraham. God begins to show Abraham some things. And now, even though he's had his own child... He's going to see the blessing come. The promise comes. God still moves and God still gives Abraham Isaac. He still gives him the promised child. Some of us have made decisions in our life, myself included, on our own. And although we put ourselves in a place where we shouldn't have been and did something we shouldn't have done, we still in time seen God move on our own favor because God had a promise. And let me tell you something, God's promises remain true. It's up to us how we respond to them and what we do with them. So Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, here we go. The Bible says, sometime God tested Abraham. See, God wasn't even dealing with Abraham when he had Ishmael with the servant. Now God, in chapter 22, we are six, seven chapters later, now God's going to deal with Abraham. 
some of us are six or seven chapters later in our life, and now God's getting ready to deal with us. We've made some decisions, and we got ahead of God on some things, and God says, it's all right. I'm fixing to deal with you, and I'm going to show you what was of me and what was of you. I'm going to let you deal with the things that was of you, and I'm going to deal with the things that was of me. So chapter 1, verse 1, he says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, and he said to Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied, look at your neighbor this morning and say, it's just a test. (laughs) Everything I'm facing right now is just a test. It's just a test. I just, it's just a moment with God. You know what that word test means? It's to prove the quality of. God is testing us. Why? Because God wants to prove who we are. God wasn't mad at Job. God didn't hate Job. God wanted to prove to the enemy that Job was a righteous man that stood for God. That's why I say be careful when you're going through the test that God put in your life that you don't try to opt out of them. Because God is trying to use you to show the enemy there's still faithful men and women that stand for him and will still do the right thing when they're tested. That was the whole thing with Job. Nobody around him could understand him. Job, his one wife said, why don't you curse God and die? He said, woman, you speak as a foolish woman. I'm going to serve the one who has provided and the one who has been there for me if I lose my whole life and everything in it. God was proving to Satan that there was still a man that was walking this earth that would stand for God if everything else was taken from him. And I wonder this morning if there's anybody in this room that will stand for God if everything else you have is wiped out, if all your family's wiped out, if your house is wiped out, if your money, your finances, and your car is wiped out, will you still stand for God? Will you still prove to be that good and faithful servant that God has put you out to be? Can you serve God when it's bad? Can you serve God when it's good? Can you serve God when things just seem to be okay? Can you be that person all your life? Abraham, God's testing him. But the test works like this, church. A lot of times we look at the test and people will tell you, and you got to be careful who you listen to because they'll mislead you into understanding what God's doing. Well, God is testing you because he wants to teach you something. You don't learn anything when you're taking a test. When I take a test, I am proving what I'm already learned that I've already studied. In the season that just passed, God is testing me to prove my faith from that season. So he's not got me in a moment of testing so that he can teach me something. He's got me in a moment of testing because there's a next level in the next season of my life. And the grading scale for this test will tell God what I am capable of accomplishing in the next season. So God's not testing me to teach me. God's testing me to prove me. And once he proves me, then he knows where he can send me and what he can do with me. Some of us, I did this for about five years. My wife will probably laugh at it, but I stayed in the same season for five years because I thought I was learning and I just kept doing the same things over and over. But it wasn't a learning phase. God was trying to prove me. And he says, you can't go higher in the next season until you prove that you've learned from the past one. The test was right there. So Abraham, all the things you've done, the Bible says God tested Abraham. Why? Because Abraham, you've done made your own decisions. You've done went out and had your own child under your own will that I didn't even promise you. Matter of fact, it was with a woman that's not even your wife. That's a whole nother message. Verse number two, it says this. Then God said, take your son, your only son. This is why I told you God will only bless what he ordains because Abraham didn't really have one son. He had two. He had Ishmael and he had Isaac, but God said, take your only son, because I'm not going to acknowledge the one you had under your own will. I've only given you one. I'm going to bless what I've ordained. The rest of it's on you. Take your only son, Isaac. (laughs) Take the one that I've put in your life. That's why God says the things of the past in our life have to go. You can't carry the things that you put in your own life into the season with God and say, God bless these things. He said, but I've only given you what you have in this season. The rest is baggage. And baggage can't come to the next level. 
So he tells him, he says, take your own son, your only one, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. And he said, I'll show you the mountain. Can you imagine that? You finally got this son that you've you've just dreamed of having. All the way, 10 chapters earlier in chapter 12, God promised you that you was going to have him. Let's count chapters as years. That's not what the Bible does, but let's do it for today. 10 years earlier, God made a promise to you 10 years ago. And all of a sudden, here you are 10 years later, and you have that promise in your hands. And God not only tells you to go sacrifice it and do away with it, but God also tells you just take a step of faith, and I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. That's overwhelming. You want me to sacrifice something I love, but then not tell me where I'm going? Let me show you why that's important and why God does these things. Because you have to understand the background of Abraham's life. This really tested Abraham to another level. Abraham grew up in a time in the Old Testament where pagans, they, they, would, they would sacrifice their kids and they would send them through the fire that they could feed their God. They believed that their God was that type of God that they had to sacrifice their kids in order to worship their God. They called him the God of Amarutu. Now, here's what you need to understand. Extra, extra, extra biblical studies, whether it's 100% accurate or not, says this, that Abraham's father was the one who actually made the golden images for him. So Abraham has, if that's true, has grown up all his life seeing that the right thing to do was to sacrifice your child for your God. So why is God allowing Abraham to go through the same thing that's not true? Because God wants to see if Abraham will be as faithful to his God as the pagans are to theirs. God wants to see if Abraham, the way that you've seen people raised up and and, and as committed as they were, will you be that committed to me? Will you do what I ask you to do? In Abraham's youth, he's seen this. So now here he is, and God has asked him to do something that's beyond understanding of anybody in this room. And to tell him that not only do I want you to do it, but I'm not even going to tell you where you're going. I'm just going to let you go. Let you step out in faith, and then here you go. I'll, I'll supply here. It's a twofold thing, church. Here's why it's twofold. Number one is this. We have a God that wants to show you the mountain. But we also have a God that wants to show you himself. Because what God was wanting to do was to get Abraham on top of the mountain and not only show him that there's a mountain that he can stand on, but there's also a God who wants to reveal himself to him. See, because Abraham's probably thinking all the way up there, well, I've seen this before. I've seen people do this, but how can God want me to do this? I'm going to do it, but I've seen this. I don't know how this is going to turn out. But you serve a God this morning that wants to reveal himself to you. God wanted to get Abraham in a place where he could reveal who he was. Let me tell you something, church. It's not worth serving a God that you cannot see. Well, I can't see him physically. No, but you need to see him spiritually. Pastor, I can't see him. He's not sitting in that chair. You don't know that. He ought to be sitting inside of you. He's a spiritual God, and you ought to be able to see him that way. He's a God that's relational. If I'm relational with you, that means I know you. And God wanted to show Abraham that. He wanted to reveal himself. So here he is, and he says, take him up to the mountain, Abraham. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I'm going to show you. Now watch what verse 3 says. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him two two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Didn't tell which one God told him about it, but there's something important there. Point Point number four is this. Not only do we need to learn that we have to get out of our comfort zone, get out of the tent. I didn't even tell you the other one. Take the test. But point number four is you need to know this. You got to learn to get up and go. We got to learn to respond as soon as God speaks. 
Watch what Abraham does. The Bible says he got up early the next morning and he went. Why? Because if he doesn't get up the next morning and go, we find ourselves letting our feelings and our emotions start to play in. Some of us are not walking in our calling with God because we're not taking the step of faith when God called us. So what happens is we go and we talk to this one about our calling, and we go and we talk to this one about our calling, and this one about our promise, and that one about our purpose, and feelings get involved, and emotions get involved, and opinions get involved, and before we know it, we step back and we don't do it. Nowhere in the Bible does it mention that Abraham already told Isaac what he was going to do. Why? Because there was an emotional connection between Abraham and Isaac. It's his only son. It's going to be hard for me to take my 12-year-old and tell her, baby, get out the bed. I'm fixing to go kill you on a mountain because I believe that's what God wants me to do. Without her busting into tears and me feeling an emotional connection and saying, I can't do it. That's what happens with our life. We're so emotionally connected to the things in our life that if we don't move with God when God speaks, we let the emotions and the feelings of life overcome us and we stay in the season we're in. Abraham got up early the next morning and he made a move. He didn't tell Isaac nothing. He got his servants and he got the things he needed and he left. If you understand the way you're created, created I'm not going to preach this whole thing, but if you understand you're a triune being, you're going to understand that the body, soul, and the spirit, you've got to keep the spirit man at the forefront or the body and the soul will take control and we will make decisions that we shouldn't make. So Abraham knew that I've got to keep this one thing in control because if I get too emotional connected, then, then it's going to become about my son. It's going to become about Isaac. My soul's going to get involved. My soulmate, my, my connection, the one who makes me happy, my feelings going to get involved. My emotions get involved, and I'm not going to do it. And I love my son so much, I want him with me. So if my body's in control, it's my desire to have him right here, so I'm not going to do it. But since the spirit man can be in control and I know that it's pleasing to God to respond this way, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to get everything God told me to do and I'm going to go out and do what he asked me to do. Oh, what's this? Zenny's 3D virtual try-on. Pretty cool, right? Wait, are those prices real? Do they have glasses for men? Yep, they also have affordable blue light glasses. Seriously? At those prices? Get them all. I like where this is going. Zenny.com. Prescription glasses starting at $6.95. That's how ministry works. That's how callings work. And it gets even a little deeper because it tells us that it took Abraham three days before he even knew where he was going. Why do I want to point that out to you? It's something about three days in the nature of how we're created that that's about the time we start giving up. And I wondered if it's connected to early in ministry, they used to tell us, hey, let's take a three-day fast. And I always wonder, why three days? Why not one? Why not two? Why not seven? Why not 14? Why three? And it's just about something about three days is about the point you're wanting to give in. Fast for three days and tell me the third day ain't the hardest one. You ain't want to eat everything you see, and everybody that you ain't talked to in six months is calling you to go to lunch. Tell me that it don't work that way. That's how it works. We can lock the front door, and Brother RJ will tell you somebody's going to find a way in through the back door so that they can invite us somewhere, and we fast, and we don't want to say no, so we're trying to go and, and just talk, and it don't work that way. It's something about the third day. The third day, Abraham figures out where he's going. But also remember this, the third day is about the time we give up. I think about Cleopas and on the road to Emmaus. Jesus had, had promised all the disciples and he had promised his people that on the third day he would raise from the dead. They knew that the third day was the day that everything was supposed to happen. So here we find out that on the third day, Jesus has risen from the dead. They go to the tomb that morning and the women see, but he's not there. But all of a sudden, Cleopas is on his way back to his hometown. 
The one who was promised on the third day it would happen had already given up and almost missed the greatest miracle and blessing ever right before his life because he was ready to give up. I'm telling you that this morning because some of us are on the third day of our promise with God. We're on the third season of our promise with God, and we're getting ready to retract because we hadn't seen it happen. And we're getting ready to step back because we don't understand the things we're facing. And God's saying, but it's the morning of the third day, and you're fixing to enter into that season, but you're about to miss the blessing because you want to step back. Cleopas turned and went, and what did Jesus do? He's the very first ones they went and found. He comes from the grave and goes after a brokenhearted person that was about to miss the greatest blessing of his life. Why is this message coming to you this morning? Because you are on the edge of missing the greatest blessing and promise of your life because you don't know if God's actually going to do what he said. And God's trying to give you a word that's going to put that inside of you this morning to make you believe that. Three days, and here Abraham is. The Bible says this, that he never mentioned to his servants where they were going. Can you imagine knowing? Say my wife's with me, and I don't tell her where we're going. You know what he told them? We're going to worship God. We'll be back. You missed it. We're going to worship God. We'll be back. But the servants were to stay at the bottom of the mountain. We're going to worship God. It was only Abraham and Isaac. He said, we're going to worship God, but we will be back. He never said, I'll be back. He never said, I'm going to send Isaac back. He said, we will be back. Why? Because we are going to worship our God. Because Abraham knew that if I worship God in the capacity in which he called me, he would make the provision that he needed to make in the season. Abraham knew that I'm going to have to climb this mountain, and I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but the Bible said in chapter 15 that Abraham believed God. When I get past believing in God and I start believing God, I'll start worshiping God with things that people can't even understand. I'll be willing to take the closest thing of my life and sacrifice it on the altar and say, God, if you want me to do away with this thing that's connected to me, I'll lay it right here and let you have it as a form of worship, no matter what anybody else thinks, whether you let me keep it or not. Church, let me tell you something. Worship is one of the greatest things you can do with God, even in the form of sacrifice. Let let me help you this morning. I had a guy tell me today, he said, I sacrifice, I tithe. Look, tithing is not sacrificing. That is up for non-negotiation with God. That is mandatory in the word of God. My sacrifice comes with the things that God has given me in my life that are dear and close to me, the things that I know hurt to let go of, the things that I know that I don't really want to release. Those are the sacrificial things that, God, I'm willing to give up anything in my life to be closer to you. I'm willing to worship you on that level. So here we go. You got Isaac and you got Abraham, and I want to show you something. From the beginning of this whole scripture in 22, chapter 22, verse 1, you can see Jesus all through it. You can see the the foreshadowing and the, the symbolism of Jesus right there in that scripture. How do we do that? Because Abraham took Isaac, his only son, and he took him to a mountain where he would sacrifice him. And Isaac carried the wood on his shoulder. It's the same way we see Jesus. God took his only begotten son and he gave him for you and I that we would be reconciled to the father through the sacrifice of his life. But not only that, he came down and he climbed up on a hill called Golgotha or Calvary. And there is where he was crucified as he carried the wood on his own shoulder up to the top of Calvary where God would provide the ultimate sacrifice. Abraham was watching this. What is taking place? Isaac is standing right in the shadow of Jesus and what he would do. It goes on to say this. When they reached the place that God told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. Listen to me. He bound his son Isaac. 
I don't know how easy that would be. But I'm going to tell you right now, it would be hard for me to bound my child on an altar and say, I don't believe Isaac stood there and was like, God, Dad, this sounds like a great idea. I had fun carrying the wood. Maybe you'll just bind me. Maybe I can be the sacrifice. That would be great. No, I don't think that's how it happened. I believe in this moment he's probably freaking out, and he's probably worried, and he's scared, and he's probably crying, and he's upset, and he don't understand why his own father is putting him on that altar. What did I do to deserve this? Why am I the sacrifice? Well, I just came into this world. Why, why do I have to do this? Why don't you get on here? I think Jesus probably felt the same way. When God allowed him, and Jesus allowed himself to get on that cross and allow them to bind him up through nails on the wood that he himself carried up on that hill and did it for you and I, knowing that he did nothing to be on that cross. He deserved no moment to be on that cross, and at any moment, he could have took himself off. At any moment, he could have said, you know what? This ain't the plan. I ain't going through with it. And he could have got off of it. But he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He had your kids in mind. He had your family in mind. He had your friends, your coworkers, your city in mind that through what he was fixing to do, an ultimate sacrifice would be provided and people would be re restored and people would be rebuilt and they would be renewed and God would transform their life and he would reconcile them to the father. So he was willing to do it. But Abraham's sitting here and he binds his son up on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and he took a knife. This is where it gets pretty interesting, to slay his son. But then the angel says this. He calls out from heaven. He says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham says, here I am. He replied, do not lay your hand on that boy. He said, do not do anything. Now that I know that you fear God, <laughs> you don't just believe in God. You don't just believe God, but you fear God. Let me tell you something. We can't leave that one out. We can't leave the fear part out. That, that, that word fear does not mean be scared of. That word fear means that you respect and you reverence him to the point that you will worship him in whatever way you need to. He said, Abraham, you fear the Lord. You have reverence for a God that you know is able to step in and make a way. Here's, let me tell you something. Everybody wants to believe in God because they want to make heaven. And some people want to believe God because they want the promises of God, but not many people want to reverence God. And that's the most important part. I've got to learn to reverence him. I've got to learn to respect him. Not fear. People will teach that you ought to fear God and be scared of him. I don't believe that's the nature of God. Because if I have a father that lives in my home that beats me and abuses me and don't want nothing to do with me and hollers at me and cusses me and all these things, I'm not going to him with any of my problems. Why? Because I fear him. I don't believe God wants you to see him that way. I don't believe God wants you to see him as this God that, that don't want to do nothing but beat you down and, and throw you down because he knows if you see him that way, you're too scared to go to him with any of your problems. But he wants you to respect him and understand that he is all-powerful and he is a just God and he is a wrathful God and he can do all these things, but for your life, he wants you to understand he wants you to come to him and let him know what you're going through, what you're struggling with. So it says he feared God. Because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. <laughs> there it is again. Abraham looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its horns. When he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Point number five. Church, you got to learn to listen for the call. I can't just get out of my comfort zone and stop there. I got to get out of my own head. I got to get out of the tent. 
And I can't stop there. I've got to be able to willing to get up and go when God wants me to go. I've got to be willing to do the things God wants me to do. I've got to be willing to stand the test and take the test. But I also got to be willing to listen to the voice of God. This is so important in the time that we live in because there is two controversial um, teachings right now or two controversial things in the religious world. One, that it's all about what God said. One, that it's all about what God is saying. And I want to tell you this morning, it's about what God said and what God is saying. It's not about one or the other. It's about both of them. Because Abraham had to know that. He had to listen to what God said. Take your only son up to the top of the mountain and sacrifice him there for me. But if Abraham was stuck in a religious mindset that I only stick to the things that God said and I never get relevant to what God is saying, Abraham would have sacrificed his own blessing. You missed it. If I go to the top of the mountain and God told me to sacrifice my only son, go up there and you're going to put him on an altar and you're going to give him up a sacrifice, I'm going to do what God said. But if I don't get to the top of the mountain and I begin to listen to what God is saying, then when he's calling for me not to slay my son, I will kill the very blessing that God wanted to give me because I'm only stuck in what he said and I'm not relevant to what he's saying. You got to have both. I can't go into the streets. I can't go into the church. I can't go into homes. I can't go into counseling sessions. I can't go into anything and say, you know what? I'm only going to tell you everything that's in here and not listen to what God wants me to speak directly to you. Because what has happened is, is people will get in the mindset, but because the situation that they're in lines up to this scripture, I'm only going to condemn and beat them with this scripture and never get relevant to how to get out of it. And that's why so many people today are pushed away from God rather than drawn to God. I have to be listening to what God said in his word, but also listening to what God's saying in this time. So there he is. Abraham's on top of the mountain, and now he's found the place where God's called him. And he's standing there, and he's looking at his son. He's done bound him up, and now he's listening, and God starts speaking through an angel, and he says, Abraham, don't do it. There's something behind you, and I've already provided a sacrifice. See, we stopped preaching it right there. Give us a keyboard player. We stopped preaching it right there. Why? Because, Pastor, I know that that's, a, that's symbolic. It's a representation of Jesus on the altar and that God was going to provide his own sacrifice. And that, God, and that Isaac, we've seen it, but then God's going to step in and he's going to provide Jesus, the son. That's the ultimate message of the gospel. But if you only see that part of it, you're going to miss one of the most powerful messages for your life today. I told you in the beginning that Abraham lived in a time where they worshiped this Amarutu God. This Amarutu God was the one that they would sacrifice their kids for. But there was a golden image of this God that was constructed. And that image was this. It was a ram that would stand on his hind feet, and he was eat out of a thicket from the top of it. So here's Abraham on top of the mountain. And God says, through this angel, he says, stop. We see what you got before you, Abraham, but I have provided something behind you. Why? Just so I can have a different sacrifice? No, Abraham, I'm trying to tell you something. It's a twofold message. Before you, Abraham, is your future. Before you on that altar is your future. Before you is what I will provide my son as a sacrifice. You don't have to give yours up. But behind you is your past. Because the season they were in was a drought. And if the season was a drought, that means the only things alive was at the top of the bush. And that ram would have had to have been standing on his hind legs, eating from the top of the bush. The very idol image that Abraham grew up seeing people worship. God was saying, Abraham, I will provide your future. 
but you will have to take care of your past. Because God didn't sacrifice that ram, Abraham did. The Bible says that Abraham took hold of the ram and put it on the altar. That Abraham sacrificed that ram. I want to tell you something today. God has your future established, but some of us need to take care of our past. Some of us need to get to the point on top of the mountain and say, God, if I can worship you in the mountain, I need to see that my past is holding me back. That things that happened in my past, things that other people may have brought on, it never said Abraham worshiped that image, but his father did. And God wanted to show him the God of your youth, the God of your past is not the God of your future. Doesn't mean that the God of your future was not there for you because he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Why? Because God wanted everybody to know, although he's got a new name and a new walk, I was still his God when he was Jacob. I was still his God when he was deceiving. I was still his God when he was lying. I was still his God when he was doing those things he shouldn't have done. But now that I've got a hold of him and I put him a new walk, I've gave him a new name. We've put his past to death. Come on, stand with me. Abraham's future was before him and his past was behind him. The gods of this world, church, want you to sacrifice things. Your time, your money, your health, your kids, temporary provision. And God's saying this this morning. I've got your future. If you believe in me, I've got your future. If you believe me, I've got your promise. If you'll fear me, if you'll fear me, I've got your provision. But in order for you to have these things, you have to take the God of your past and put it on the altar yourself. See, but God's going to deliver me, Pastor. Don't work that way. People can't be delivered that don't want to be delivered. People ain't going to be healed that don't want to be healed. People's not going to be saved that don't want to be saved. Marriages won't be restored that don't want to be restored. Homes won't be reconstructed and brought back together that don't want to be. And God says your past won't be put to death unless you want it to be. Because forgiveness is this. Some of us learn well how to forgive others, but you've never forgiven yourself. Pastor, I have no hard feelings with anybody, but what about yourself? I have nothing to worry about with anybody else. But what about yourself? Forgiveness is this. I'm going to settle my past so that I can walk in my future. I'm going to settle the things that are holding me back so I can walk in my future. And the Bible says this. There's two things to do this morning. Matthew 11 and 29, he says this. It's a profound scripture. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Pastor, I, I, you don't understand the things going on inside of me right now. I do. I do. I cannot get this right in one day. You won't. But he never told you to either. He said, take upon my yoke. That's the thing that must happen today. Take upon my yoke and put all your stuff aside. And the second part, he says, and learn from me. That'll come as we walk. See, people will tell you, that you need to get it all right this morning. No, you need to get the first thing right. I need to believe in him. 
I need to take upon his yoke and get all these burdens off my life. He said, and then you'll learn from me as we walk this together. But pastor, how do I do it? Church, you have to learn to yield. And yield seems like a weird word in the middle of an altar call. But I know this to be true. When they brought all these roundabouts to Columbus, nobody could read the sign that said yield. Everybody wanted to make it a racetrack. It doesn't matter that it's made that I pull up and I yield and then I go. It's the fact that I want to race to see who should be in the circle first. And God's saying, but if you don't learn to yield, you will crash in the midst of the place you're trying to go. I yield when I get to that roundabout because I got to give right away to the one that was there first. He said, I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. I'm the first, the last. He said, I was here first and I'm going to be the last one standing. You have to yield and give me the right away. You can't try to race yourself into your purpose. You can't race into your future. You can't race into your promise because your past, if not settled, will collide in the midst of where I'm bringing you. And some of us are at collision point right now because we haven't put to death the past and it's colliding with our promise. So I ask you this morning, what's behind you that's holding you? Abraham's seen the future, but he had to put to death the past. What's, what's holding you back this morning from saying, Pastor, I'm on the edge of a breakthrough, but there's just something that I'm not yielding to. Pastor, I have been seeking the baptism in the Holy Spirit forever, but you've not yielded and gave the right away to the one who wants to move in. I have to yield. I have to get to the point this morning where I put my hands up and say, God, I yield to your spirit. God, I yield to your purpose. I yield to your promise. I yield for you to search my heart this morning. I'm going to take your yoke this morning. You reveal my heart and I'll put to death what you bring to light. Now, you may not be familiar with the altars, but I'm opening them right now. This is not a place just for sinners. Let's get that right. This is a place to put to death your past, your burdens, sin, heartaches, brokenheartedness and just a moment with God to pray anything but there's just something about gathering together getting close with like believers and saying God I'm putting it to death right now I'm going to yield to you in this moment and I'm going to let you have your way show me what's holding me back show me my past I see my future but help me with my past Father we love you this morning God we're thankful for an opportunity Lord to Get in your word, God, and see, Lord, that you have provision for every family in this building this morning. You've got a plan, God, but we have to give you the right of way. God, I have to let go of that seat this morning. I have to let go of what people think around me. I have to make that decision this morning, God, that I'm going to yield and give you the right of way in my life. No longer am I going to collide with thoughts and opinions and past hurt and past pain and past mistakes. But, God, I'm going to give you the right of way to do what you want. I'm going to take upon your yoke this morning, God. I'm going to step into this journey, and I'm going to learn from you. God, I pray every heart this morning, Lord. Lord, soften them. Open our hearts today, God. Draw us to a place you've never drawn us, God. Take us to a place that we've never encountered you this morning. Let us yield. Help us put these things to rest. God, you're faithful. In the mighty name of Jesus. So then I dropped some garlic and croutons on there, and the rest is salad history. I made the best salad ever, people.
And now I'm making the best app. The Caesar Sportsbook app got live in-game betting, parlays, and Caesar rewards. Caesar salad ain't got nothing on my app. Nothing. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call, text, or chat 1-888-532-3500. Download the Caesar Sportsbook app. Your app is ready, Emperor. New hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from Dunkin'. A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset. And even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard. Or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.